You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today, I really felt in my spirit, and this kind of happened this afternoon or this morning. I want to minister a message, and I want to emphasize how to get that spiritual fight back in you. Because I feel like the men today have been through a lot, and I feel like a lot of them have had the wind knocked out of them. And they want to get that, they need to get that fight back into them so they can fight for what matters in their family, fight for what matters. And that's what this message is about today. And I believe it's going to stir you up in a way that you're going to stand up and say, wait a minute, this is not happening to my family anymore. And you're going to fight in faith for what God's promised. If you're ready, I'm going to share some things that I never heard before in this respect. But I believe that if you take this and, and let the Holy Ghost bear witness in your heart about it, you're going to come out fighting in faith, and God's going to move mightily in your life. Amen? All right. I want to say that there is a, many times what I call an invisible force that comes from a belief system that isn't true, that keeps us from the aggressiveness in faith that God has called us to. You know, there's a fish, it's called a pike fish. In Alaska, it is against the law to put them in a lake because someone went ahead and put one in a lake and, or put some, several of them in the lake, and they multiplied and they killed off all the tra- uh, trout and the rainbows, and they killed them. They're a, ver- they're a predatory fish, these pike. And scientists did an experiment with them. They put them in this huge fish tank, and they were feeding them fish and because they're very predatory, very aggressive. And uh, then they did something very unique. They put a glass in the middle of the fish tank and put their food on the other side of the glass, and the pikes begin to try to strike at it and strike at it. And uh, eventually, they stopped trying to strike at it. And then the scientists took the glass out of the tank, and the, and the pikes would stay on their side of the tank, even though they're predators, even though their nature would be to fight and get those things. They stopped doing it because of an invisible barrier. And I believe in the church, there's been a lot of uh, well-meaning preachers that have taught tradition, not Bible. And it has built in invisible barriers in many of us where we don't really believe in faith. We, we might say, hallelujah, pastor, preach it and take the verse and get excited about it, but we really don't believe it because we have a belief system that is inhibiting us from being aggressive in our faith and claiming what is ours. Let me show you, uh, show you a truth. Look here in 1 John chapter 5, and notice what it says. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So John here is clearly saying that as a believer, we're already overcomers. Say it with me. We're already overcomers. But there's a problem. The same apostle who wrote that wrote in the book of Revelation repeatedly to the churches. He said, those that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. And those who overcome... And then he would give them a promise they would receive. But he said, you have to overcome. Well, what is it? Are we 
in the process of overcoming, or have we overcome? Which is it? Here John says you're already an overcomer, but then in, in the book of Revelation, he's saying that you have to overcome. What is it? What's he talking about? What he's talking about is the difference between what you have a legal right to and what you actually possess. In other words, when he says you're an overcomer, you have the legal right to be healed according to God's word and his promises. According to God's word, you have the right to pr provide and be blessed abundantly and have more than enough with plenty left over. According to God's word, you should have peace that passes all understanding. Those things are all provided. That's your right to that. But if we don't exercise our right, Satan will steal from us. We have the right to overcome every circumstance, every disease, every mental illness, every oppression in our culture. We have the right to overcome it because of what Jesus did on the cross. When he ascended on high and sat down, he completely disarmed the devil. He completely defeated the devil. And the church has the right to rule and reign in this life in Christ Jesus. And as a man, I love to know the fact that I've got the right to bless my family. I got the right to see deliverance. I got the right to see my wife healed. I got the right to see my kids come out strong in God. I have the right to believe God for that. And I got to use my faith to override what Satan's trying to throw at us. And he's going to try to throw at you all kinds of doubt and fear that you can't do it. All kinds of ideas. Oh, it's just the Lord. If the Lord wants it fixed, he'll fix it. And he'll try to override what you have the right to simply by this invisible belief systems that we learn when we grow up. We learn it in churches that don't teach the Bible. And it, it nullifies the word of God. And the word of God becomes of no effect in our lives. Without power you got no gospel. It isn't the gospel unless it's got power. It's not just some ideas. It has power that transforms and changes everything in your life. I want you to look at a verse with me in 1 uh, Corinthians. Put it up on the screen here. And I want you to see what, where the battle is. Look what it says. But the natural man, say it with me, does not receive the things of the Spirit. Say it again. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So what he's saying is everything that we need in the kingdom cannot come through natural thinking. It comes only by the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the truth. Guys, you want to get the fight back into you? Get in the Word. Remember this. The Word and the Spirit always agree. When you meditate on the Word long enough, the Spirit of God will begin to bear witness to it in your heart, and anything that the Holy Spirit bears witness to gives you conquering power, overcoming power in your life. The only reason why the Holy Spirit's not bearing witness is because many times we don't meditate on the Word long enough to get the results that God wants us to have in our lives. Amen? You need the Holy Spirit to bear witness to what you hear preached across the pulpit. If it's the Word, the Holy Spirit will bear witness to it. Say amen. And I'll tell you what, when that happens, 
you can get healed. You can have the power of God move in your life because whatever the Holy Spirit bears witness to, he will empower in your life for victory and breakthrough. I'm going to make a powerful statement, and it's true. Everything in this world, I mean everything that happens in this world, is a direct result of what we permit or allow. Everything in this world. In other words, the evil that's in the world today is only of the magnitude that it is because the church is permitting it to happen. That's why Jesus said uh, to Peter, he said when the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he was the Christ, he said the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Why? Because whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on, on earth is loosed in heaven. In other words, it's all up to the church. And most people say, Pastor, you're nuts. It's not true. It is true. And I'm going to give you some scriptures, write these down. We won't turn to every one, but I want you to see these scriptures. In Hebrews 11:3, it says this. We understand that by faith the worlds were created or framed by the word of God. The word world there is the Greek word ion, and it means age, generations. In other words, what it's saying is that the future is a determined or framed by the Word of God, and the Word of God operates through the body of Christ. I'll give you an example. Joyce and I changed Washington State through our prayer life. We changed the kind of people that live here. When the church was started many, many years ago, we had prayed because I felt really led by the Spirit, we needed to pray for a multicultural church because I realized it's only in a multicultural church that you have giftings and talents that are unique. And we prayed for that, and over the process of 10, 20 years, Washington State has become a multicultural state, more so than many other states. That was a direct result of just two people praying. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good, church. We're the ones that determine what the future is going to be, not the evil. It's what we pray for, what we believe for. That's what changes the future. I realize Satan's going to rise up his head, try to stop it, but prayer will in fact change. Hebrews 12, 27 says that everything's being shaken, and the only thing that's going to be, remain is God's word. In other words, whatever we stand on is the only thing that's going to remain. This is the verse that really struck my spirit. 1 John 2, 17. John says, don't love the world or the world system. And then he said this. He said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he says, those things are passing away. What was he saying? He's saying the things in his culture that were destroying people is passing away because the church was expanding. The church was getting people saved. In other words, he predicted that some of this behavior would go away. Now, we live in a culture where we go, everything's going from bad to worse to terrible, but that's because the church needs to wake up. We need to wake up and put prayer back into the ch ch uh, uh, schools. We need to get up and start using our faith again and quit sitting back and letting uh, people that are blinded by Satan 
cover us and let God's spirit begin to change things. That doesn't mean we're rebellious. It means that we pray and God moves mightily and changes things. Amen? I'm going to give you a verse. This is in Micah 4.1. This is a verse that I had never heard preached. In fact, it was during a time that the Holy Spirit was moving in my life in a very powerful way. And I was in prayer, and this is one of the very first few times I've ever had the Holy Ghost quote me a verse that I didn't know. Because I know most of the verses. And he quoted this verse to me. I said, oh, that's not even in Scripture. And then I looked and I found it. It was there. In the verse, it says this, in the latter days, God's going to raise up his church on the highest mountain. In other words, the church is going to be above every institution, above the, the culture, above whatever system is in the world. And it says many, many people will flood into it. And it, and it's, and it says it will happen in the latter days before Jesus comes back. The church is going to wake up, praise God, and rise up like Daniel rose up and, and like, come on, like Joseph rose up. The church is going to do that. And I know maybe if you haven't heard that, but I'm telling you, this puts the fight back in you. That you can have the family that God wants you to have. You can provide for them the way that he wants you to provide for them. You can have children that follow God. And, I just seen, and it doesn't mean it won't be challenged. But we have the right to it. Said we have the right to have our children come back to God. We have the right to have uh, sickness driven out of our midst. We have the right to it. Many of you know my wife, she got in an accident this week. She tripped over the uh, dishwasher and landed on her shoulder, and, and uh, she was in great pain. I had to call the ambulance and, and took her there. But, I, but I, I did what I preach. As they were taking the hospital, I'm in the car. I'm not mad at God. I'm mad at the devil. And I bind that second devil. I said, devil, she, nothing's going to be broken. Nothing's going to be broken. They're going to put, it back, put her back into joint or whatever, and she's going to be fine. And I remember going to the hospital doing that, and then I got there, and, you know, they did the x-rays and everything, and nothing was broken. Praise God. But, but here's what I did. Three, the, one doctor says, we're going to have three doctors set her shoulder back into place. And I, and which was really remarkable, the fact they let me stay there through this whole thing. And I said, all right, guys, we're going to pray right now. So I got these doctors. I didn't know if they're believers or not. I said, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now that she's going to have, it's going to pop back quickly. Because they said, if it doesn't pop back quickly, it could chip and do stuff like that and, and so we wanted to go quickly and so I'm praying with these doctors and I go out and sit and it was like I don't know probably three minutes later they come out and said it just popped back in it was quick can you say amen but you got to get mad at the devil mad at the devil not at God God's not at fault God's not at fault. He sent his son to destroy the works of the devil, and he did destroy the works of the devil. The devil's been destroyed. Say amen. He doesn't have any power. All he does is go around and, 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 sh and show you his gun, but he don't got no bullets in his gun. The Bible said in Colossians that he's been disarmed by the resurrection power of God. He's been disarmed. 
I learned this years and years ago, that if you just stand by and don't aggressively pursue your faith, the devil will steal from your right and left. He will rip you off. Many, many years ago, Joyce and I, we lived on six acres in a mobile home. And we got the six acres and moved on it. The first thing I did is walked around the six acre to see what it was like, whatever. And I noticed my neighbor had put up a fence, which I had no problem with. And, uh, but I didn't know where the property line was. And I kind of felt like his fence was on, was, you know, way in on my property. And it obviously wasn't the property line. And, and so I, and I had no problem with the fence being over on my property. But I just knew in my spirit I had to do something about it. And so I went ahead and found out about it. And I found this to be true, that if I hadn't contended with it, then within five years it would have been the neighbor's property, which was anywhere from 10 to 20 feet in on our property. And that meant when you sell it, you would have less, get less for it. And so I learned right then, the devil does that in our lives because we don't do anything about it. Well, if God wants to fix, he'll just fix it. No, he's got you to do it. The kingdom of God is within you. You got power. You got to get your fight back for your family. Get your fight back for your, for your community. Get your fight back. We're not going to let this community be overtaken by drug addicts. We're not going to let this community be overtaken by people that are trying to destroy. We need to rise up, get people saved, get people ministered to. Come on. But there's that passiveness which comes from the church. You sit back. If it's God's will happen, it's not the way it works. You've got to fight for it. And you've got to fight it. You have the right to be blessed. And until that's manifested fully, and then you've got to uh, hold the right to be blessed, even during hard times. Hallelujah. Even during hard times. Believe you have the right to be blessed. But here's what happens to some people. Some people bless their hearts because of the way they think. And the thinking was maybe the way they were raised or maybe the way that someone taught them or maybe the way that their, their children, or it doesn't matter where it came from, but we have ways of thinking that prevent us from believing. You remember the verse in Job, it says this, it says your latter days shall be better than your former. I love that verse. I've known people who their former days were so good that they said to themselves, you know, I don't really think I deserve to be blessed much more than I already have been. In other words, it became that invisible wall that stopped them. Remember, Job was blessed out of his socks in his former days. He was one of the wealthiest men in the East, had a great family, everything was going good, and it was going good for many, 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 many years. Listen, when you walk with God, you walk in his favor, and his favor is totally undeserved. And the witness of God is the favor of God in your life, that God helped you and blessed you because people know you're not, you didn't deserve it, but it's not because of you. It's because of the one you believe in. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example of this. People say things like this. 
They go, I can do nothing of myself. I'm just a weenie. I'm wimpy. I can't do anything. Lord, just help me. I'm powerless. I can't do anything. And they quote from John 15, 5, that says you can do nothing without me. The problem is God never leaves us. He, he said he would never leave us or forsake us. So I'm never in a place that I'm not without God. God is always with me. All he's simply saying there is that you have the avenue to have the Holy Spirit bear witness to whatever you're doing, whatever word you're in, and you can do all things that God called you to do. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ and said, oh, I'm just, I, I don't have any power. I'm just weenie. I'm just wiped out. No, you got the power of God within you, man. You can prevail. You can succeed. You can believe and see God move in a powerful way. You're not powerless. The kingdom of God is within you. The power to pray for the sick and deliver those who are oppressed with demons. It's within you. So don't allow what you hear, unless it's scriptural, to govern the way you think. Test everything to see if it's in Scripture. And let me give you to take you a little bit farther. Most people, when they think of Jesus, they think of this very passive person that goes around healing the sick, and uh, they think of him as very passive. This is why people's power, the power of God does work in people. You can't see Jesus the way he was in his earthly ministry, even though it was fabulous. You got to see him the way he is in his resurrection. Do you know the difference between the way it was on this earth? Well, on the way it was on this earth, he was overcoming. The way he is in the resurrection, he's already overcome. In fact, if you can stand it, I'll just read it to you. This is the, this is the way he is now. This is, this, is the, this is the way that we should, we should think of Jesus. L listen to this. This is powerful. Are you ready? Can you handle this? Then I turned in and to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded, girded about with a chest, with a golden uh, hand. His head and hair were white with wool as, oh, watch this, white as snow. Hey, that's kind of cool with me. And his eyes like a flaming fire. And it says that John beholds Jesus and it, takes his breath away, and he collapses as a dead man. The resurrected Jesus has defeated the devil. Everything is under his feet. He doesn't have to go on with the devil. The devil's only been whipped. What he's doing is waiting for his church to rise up in him and do what he did on the cross, to rise up and believe God and fight in faith for what God's called us to have and the blessings that God has called us to have. He wants us to rise up and quit being pushed down and quit silencing ourselves and stand up and fight against a culture that is blinded by their unbelief and start seeing God move in a mighty way. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the Jesus we serve. 
Oh, but pastor, my mountain is so big. Big mountain. It wasn't as big as Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross, he not only took your sins, he took the sins of your parents and your grandpa and grandma and every generation in the past and all in the future. And he fought against the wiles of the devil, and he was held in hell for three days and three nights until God raised him up, and he broke through, and every angel that was under the control of Satan became subject to Christ, and they became subject to him as he ascended on high. There's no longer this struggle like Daniel had, this angel fighting this. No, 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 no. All the angels are subject to Christ at this point, praise God. The only power Satan has is in people that are deceived once they know that Christ has come, once they know that the kingdom is within them, once they know that the power of God can change their life, his power is broken. <laughs> Whoo, man, I'll tell you what, I love this. I want to get the fight back into you. Sometimes you get the wind knocked out. Have you ever been sucker punched? Oh, I hate getting sucker punched. Not expected. Oh, then you get knocked down and they kick you in the face. Anyway, Satan's done that spiritually to a lot of us. And men, I want you to rise up and be the men God's called you to be. Don't allow your family to be oppressed by the works of the devil anymore in your life. And don't allow your children to be oppressed. You fight in faith for them. You go to bed every night and say, thank you, Lord. All my children are going to serve you with all their heart. You have a great purpose for them. Satan, you cannot have them. You, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Fighting faith every night for them. God desires to do that. Now, let me give you one, some, some scripture here that will help you. Look up on the screen, 1 Corinthians, or second, yeah, it's 1 Corinthians. Where in the world did that verse come from? Did I give you that verse? Okay. It isn't the verse I wanted at all. That's just way up there in ozone land. No, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So if you could put that up at the screen, I would appreciate that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There we go. Okay. And did all, all they eat the same spiritual meat? Now watch the next part, verse 4. And did they all drink from the same spiritual rock and drink? Oh, you know, this is a wrong verse. It is 2 Corinthians. I'm terribly sorry. 2 Corinthians. Ah, my mistake. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor's really, he's got it together today. Go ahead and lie to me a little bit. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll just read it to you if it comes to it. Hallelujah. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, pulling down uh, strongholds. Now watch this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, having every thought brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
Now, that is real powerful because it shows you where the battle is. It's in your mind. The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit. Only things that the Holy Spirit bears witness to in the Word become spiritual, become powerful. And I say this because it's not enough that you change the imagination of what you see. It needs to come from a source of the Word of God. In other words, if I'm going to imagine something in the Word, it needs to come from a verse. And when it comes from that verse, as I imagine it, the power of God will invade that imagination. You can't cast down imagination without another imagination, but it's got to be an imagination that is that the Holy Spirit has breathed on. So you need his word on that. Now, I want to show you something. Look at this verse. It's in Nahum. Very interesting verse. Most people don't know. Put it on the screen if you would. Okay. Thank you. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end affliction. Shall not rise up the second time. Let me, let me get real personal. You ever known somebody that had cancer? What do they usually tell you even if they get over it? We won't know for sure it's gone until five years. The fear then of it coming later continually in the person's mind. This is the verse to get rid of it. Because this verse says it won't come back the second time. And you create an imagination of that in your mind when the imagination of dying before your time hits your mind. Are you with me, church? In other words, everything that we resist, everything that we come against, it has to have a foundation of the word to resist it. I can't just say, well, I think it's in the Bible. I got to know it's in the Bible. And I got to know the verse, and as I meditate on the verse, the Holy Spirit bears witness to it, and then it affects the way I see things. It affects the ability to cast down the thoughts and imagination, and that's where the power is. The power is not just having it in your mind. It's having the Holy Spirit bear witness to Scripture that God is revealing to you as you meditate on it. It makes a difference. I mean, let me give you an illustration that, that proves this point. Many days passed, or years passed, they used to make sailboats this way. They would go out into the forest, and they would cut down all these trees around one particular tree, a smaller tree that was starting to sprout up a little ways. They cut down all the trees, keep all the trees cut, and that tree would grow up without the other trees blocking the wind and the weather and the tree grew strong because of the wind that was blowing against it all the time. When it got big enough, they would cut the tree down and use it for the pole that was in the center of the sail ship because it was a tree that could handle the wind. Now, here's the part I want you to see. You won't be able to handle the weather and the storms if you're not grounded on the rock you got to be grounded on the Word. 
If you're grounded on the word and you got scripture you've been standing on, you, praise God for friends, praise God for fellowship, but that is not that is not the end of itself. Your strength has to come from Jesus. It's got to come from God's word. It's got to come from God's, what he said about Christ in your life. That's where the strength is. And when the storms come and friends betray you and people do stupid things, you will stand strong because it wasn't on your friendships. It was on Jesus Christ. It was on his word. You're standing on the rock and you can't be shaken. And that's really important, especially if your wife backslides or your husband backslides or your children backslides. You better be on something solid. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Someone shout to the Lord. Give God praise right now. Give him praise. Give him praise. This is what God wants to do for you today. He wants to stir you up so that you're unmovable. You can't be moved from your problem. You're standing right against that second problem. I don't care what it looks like. I'm standing on the word. I'm standing for my family. God will remind you of what you say, and the Holy Spirit is moving in your life and sharing with you what you need to do to overcome. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. Now, let me close with this particular thought. In the Bible, there's a story of a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon was like a lot of us. He didn't feel victorious. In fact, he had no past record of great accomplishments. It says that he came out of a tribe that was the least. He didn't get straight A's in school. He wasn't, you know, on varsity. Hadn't done anything. He felt like a loser. But he was trying to fight against an enemy that was coming in and stealing their harvest. And so the way that he fought against it, because he didn't feel like he was victorious, is he would winnow the wheat in a wine press to avoid being caught by their enemies and taking what he did. Like many of us, we've been that way. We're doing the best we can in the situation we're in. Doing the best that we can. But you know what God did? He wouldn't leave him that way. He came and he said, you are a mighty man of valor. But he didn't feel like a man man mighty man of valor you may not feel like a mighty man of valor ladies you may not feel like a mighty woman of valor you may not feel like you can accomplish anything but the word says you're a mighty person of valor and as God said that something started to change inside because it wasn't man's words it was God's words when God says you're an overcomer, you're an overcomer. When God says you're the head, not tail, you're the head, not tail. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Feelings, now listen to me carefully. Feelings come from facts. They come from things that you see in your life. But feelings are not truth. The Bible said if you continue in the truth, the truth will set you free. And that's exactly what Gideon did. He continued in the truth that he was a mighty man of valor and I'm telling you today as you as you begin to approach life you got to take God's word and you got to focus in on that and allow that to put down your feelings 
I don't feel like I can do anything, Pastor. I don't feel like I can have a good marriage. I don't feel like I can ever be the husband she wants me to be or the wife or whatever. You're still a mighty person of value. God called you an overcomer before you overcame anything in your life. And you need to take that. And I want you to listen to this. God said this about Jesus. Jesus said to Satan that he was a liar. Everything he said is a lie. And then he said this. He says he cannot stand in the truth. That means that he cannot resist you when you're in the truth. He cannot conquer you when you're in the truth. He can only whip you when you step into a lie, when you step into this lie, step into this deception. But if you're just standing in the truth, he cannot defeat you. And you can rise up and you can be what God's called you to be in your life. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.